Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Hope you are all doing well. This is a, a big first for us. This is our first live stream, so, so please go gentle on us, guys. I'm, of course, joined by Liam. You all know him as at the FSA, FSA tweet. At one point, I will get that that Twitter handle correct. How are you doing? <laughs> Eventually, you will, Rich. Uh, I'm, I'm good, thank you. How's everything with you? 
yeah, it's going well. It's going well. It's been a ridiculously hot day. I was very pleased to be sat in an air-conditioned office for most of it. Um, Likewise. But yeah, you know, it's it's good. I've got got a new haircut just for the live show. So, <laughs> you know, it's I've, I've I've really pulled out all the stops, should we say? But before before we dive in, let's let's handle the most important matter, which it's it's becoming a bit of a thing, Liam. But the cocktail of the week. What what have we so, got today? This time you're going to actually be able to see it. I don't know how well you can see that. Very, that very is, of course. You wouldn't have it any other way. So that is a cosmopolitan. And I've had a I've never made one before. So before the show, I had a good couple of goes just to make sure um, it tasted nice before we came on the pod. So that is vodka Quantro, I believe is the pronunciation as we went through last week. Cranberry juice, lemon juice, and lime juice. So if you want to try that at home, just find a quick recipe. It is good. I'll tell you that. Very nice. I feel, I feel like I'm, uh, I've just walked into an episode of Sex and the City. Um, <laughs> you're going to tell me you're too young and you've never heard of Sex and the City now. I've heard of it. I've never watched it. My, my wife loved it. So, uh, so, yeah, I'm sad to say that I've watched most of the episodes. So, um, Anyway, enough, enough about <laughs> Sex and the City. Um, so let's dive into uh, the show. So today we're going to talk through... Um, basically what to do with the end of your bench in terms of your dynasty rosters. So we're calling it who and what to stash. Um, before we dive into the show, though, I'm pleased to uh, to let you know yet again that today's podcast and live stream is brought to you by Manscaped, uh, who are the best in below-the-waist grooming. Uh, we have an exclusive offer for you with 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 5YARD. I'll be honest, if you're listening to this and you've not already gone and got yourself uh, a lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped, you are absolutely missing out. Uh, it is, without doubt, one of the most impressive pieces of kit I've ever had. Um, and I, I wouldn't stop short of saying it's completely changed my life. So, uh, so yeah, whatever you're doing, stop. Well, actually, listen to the show, then stop, <laughs> then go and order yourself something from Manscaped because it is truly fantastic. So... Getting into the the show then, Liam. So who and what to stash? So I guess the first thing for us to kind of clarify is what are you counting as an end of the bench kind of stash? What are you counting as those those roster spots that you're you're needing to stash? So particularly, I'm I'm probably looking at the end 30% of your roster, um, well, the end of your bench is the way that I worked it out earlier when I was looking at uh, different numbers. If if you've got a good rotation between those 30%, you're going to be able to pick up players during the season. And for the past, say, three, four seasons, we've had a good running back for that season come out of waivers. We've had James Robinson, had Philip Lindsay a couple of years ago. Um, We've had plenty and... Those are the guys that I want to try and keep the roster churning because if you get a stagnant roster in Dynasty, I think you're completely going to fall behind the rest of your league because you're not going to want to give up players that may not ever see the, your lineup and you'll just fall behind the competition, basically. How about you? How do you feel about end of the roster guys? What What's your plan with them? So 
So I think, first of all, to kind of classify as, as what I'm counting as end of the bench. So what I like to do is I basically like to take one backup for each position. So if it's a super flex, I'll count that as my third quarterback. If it's, you know, one QB, it'll be my second quarterback. And then, you know, if it's two running back spots, my third running back and so on. So I've got one backup for each starting position and then one flex backup and one super flex backup. So that normally means that I'm looking at six guys on my bench that I'm counting as my kind of starting roster. So in a normal league, you're normally starting anywhere between eight and 10 guys. I count my starting roster as like that 14 to 16 players, because I think for me that that is what I need to help cover bye weeks. That is what I need to kind of help get by injuries. The rest of my bench. So if it's a, a shallower league, it's, it's probably only four spots. You know, if you're in a 20 man league, uh, 20 roster league, if it's a, uh, you know, a much deeper league. I play in some super deep dungeon leagues where it's like 30, 35 man rosters. And that then means that my end of bench stashes is, you know, north of kind of 15 guys. So those are the positions that I guess we're looking at and we're really trying to talk about today. Um, my overall approach to those is, you know, anyone listening, anyone that's been listening to it for a while shouldn't be shocked to hear that I'm normally approaching those volume-based positions. So I'm looking at quarterback and running back primarily. And what I mean by volume-based positions is that those are positions that basically are reliant on volume. And, you know, if there's a starting quarterback, it doesn't matter if it's Jeff Driscoll or, you know, maybe not Nathan Peterman, actually. (laughs) But whoever it's going to be, at some point, if they're a starting quarterback or indeed a starting running back, they are potentially fantasy relevant. So those are the positions I'm looking at. Whereas for me, I feel like wide receiver and tight end, it doesn't work that that kind of smoothly. If I'm looking at, you know, say, I don't know, if AJ Brown and Julio Jones get injured in week one, Josh Reynolds doesn't then immediately become a, a wide receiver too because he's the only wide receiver in the offense kind of thing. Um, so whereas that is the case generally with running backs. So I think for me, I'm, I'm generally trying to lean towards those volume-based positions. Um, I'm generally looking at youth where I can, but I'm not purely focused on youth. I guess what I'm looking at is, again, you know, another thing that I'll bang on about is I'm looking at contract situations. I'm looking at depth charts. So if I've got potential, um, you know, starting running back that that could be looking to move on at the end of the year, someone like a, you know, a Mike Davis in Atlanta. Obviously, his contract, yes, it's a two-year contract, but it's really only a one-year contract. Um, so I'm I'm really interested in in potential backups in that offense. Someone like a Wayne Gorman, who, yes, again, he's only on a one-year contract, but if he performs, could easily be the the kind of the starter as soon as next year. So that's kind of my, I guess, overall approach. Um, Liam, are you are you similar? Um, do you lean more towards you know wide receiver tight ends, or, or are you coming round to, to my way of thinking? Shall we say? I am definitely coming around to your way of thinking, whether that's because you forced me to in the uh, in the dynasty listener league. I have no idea. 
Good to but, know that my indoctrination is finally. Uh, <laughs> no, I I have come to to agree with you that running backs are the most likely to get that value jump, and you you're able to sell on those running backs. But I think the the thing that people fall into the trap of is wide receivers. You tend to see wide receivers get a massive jump for one week and you'll never predict it. So everyone tries to hoard wide receivers because you don't know which one. Like, I'm just thinking last year he had players like uh, Isaiah McKenzie that scored like, was it three touchdowns in one week at the end of the season? You had Cedric Wilson come out of the woodwork out of nowhere and score two touchdowns, three touchdowns that week. You you tend to see it more with wide receivers, but you just have no idea who that's going to be. And I think people have gotten wise to buying those type of wide receivers because you have no idea whether they're actually going to ever do it again. Um, so I definitely have come around to you and, and taking those running backs because people find running backs a lot more safe so if something does happen where they have a bump week they probably hold their value for a little bit longer yeah it's not even now like you can you know Cedric Wilson has that two touchdown week it's not even like you can sell him for a you know a third round pick the following week because everybody in your league's turning around again it's a one week thing I I know that's not going to happen you know even somebody like a, a Nelson Aguilar who if you look at his end of season stats last year he had a decent season that was mainly because he, I think he was second in the league in terms of deep touchdowns behind Tyreek Hill. Who, who knows when when they were gonna, you know, they were gonna come? Yes, he, he looks good at the end of the season, but you never feel comfortable starting him. So yeah, I I kind of agree. In terms of types of players to avoid, is there anyone that you're looking at and going, you know, that that type of position, that that type of player, is someone that I basically never want a roster. Uh, everyone's rosterable for the right price in my mind, but there are players, <coughs> Kyle Pitts, sorry, um, that tend to be a lot more valuable in the community as a whole's eye rather than what I predict them as. So the short answer is I, I would roster anyone if I can get them cheap enough but it just depends on that price across the board. There are certain people that I just don't believe in, but even then I'd take a shot at them because if everyone else has an idea or has this belief that they're going to do well, why shouldn't I take a shot at that? that that's my thought process anyway. How do you feel about that, Rich? Yeah, I mean, it's it's similar. I don't, you know, I, I tend to obviously hoard running backs. I tend to try and avoid those sort of running backs that I'd class in that sort of 40 to 60 range in terms of ADP that I don't think have top 24 upside within their range of potential outcomes. And those are the kind of guys that I sort of view as roster cloggers. You know, I think McCall Hardman is is the perfect roster clogger. He is a guy that everybody, you know, listening will know that at some point you've rostered McCall Hardman and, and it's felt... Right, if you know if Tyreek Hill goes down or or this guy's the number two receiver in in a fantastic offense, he, he could be fantasy relevant. But the problem is, is that he'll have two, three good weeks. But I don't think, short of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, you know, both tearing their Achilles, there's not going to be a McCall Hardman 
you know, stretch where you feel comfortable starting them every week. So those are the kind of guys that I like to avoid. You know, you could also throw in someone like a Christian Kirk, who's, you know, the third, maybe fourth receiver on his offense. I, I don't particularly want to roster somebody like that, um, you know, without wanting to, to bash young, fast receivers, someone like a, a Henry Ruggs as well. It's, it's just a guy that I'm, I'm not looking to roster. Um, we talked about it last week, someone like a Jalen Rager that, pretty much out on because he had such a bad rookie year um so i'm i'm selling for for whatever i can get really um but i guess what what i was keen to do liam was kind of talk about in a bit more depth the groups that we are targeting and, and perhaps how we're kind of splitting them up and, and kind of delineating guys that we want to be stashing and guys that we don't so if we were to talk about quarterbacks so obviously we're presuming Every starting quarterback is rostered if we're talking about Superflex League. You know, you can probably throw in what I class as your high-end backups. So whether you want to be, it, it sounds bad saying they're high-end, but, a, you know, a Cam Newton, a Taysom Hill, a Drew Locke, a Jordan Love, perhaps. Um, guys that... Fields and Trey Lance. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm probably counting them as, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to be end-of-bench stashes, are they? Um, I, I said that purely for Tom. I hope he's <laughs> listening. Um, but yeah, they're they're the guys that we're we're not we're not worrying about rostering um, because they're already rostered. So the guys that I'm looking at is basically any other quarterback that I'm not 100 percent confident about their starting quarterback. So. Some of those, you know, without wanting to, to jump on the bandwagon and, and bash Ryan Fitzpatrick again, you know, I'm rostering Taylor Heineke wherever I can because, <laughs> I, I mean, we, we can sit and make jokes, but is anybody guaranteeing that Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to start 17 games this year? I'm not guaranteeing anyone's going to start 16 games this year, but I just love your absolute hatred for him. It's so like funny. It's, it's, it's a brand now. I've absolutely got to stick to it. Um and then, you know, an, another guy, he was, you know, second in the league in uh, in points per game at the quarterback position if you remove games played, and, and that's Marcus Mariota. Yes, I think Derek Carr is a very good good guy. I think he's a, a, a very good quarterback. I think I'd throw him in the top 10 to 15 in terms of NFL quarterbacks. Appreciate that's not for fantasy. Um but I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, Marcus Marriott gets another chance to start. I wouldn't be gobsmacked if we see a big injury to a, you know, a playoff bound tee, whether Marcus Mariota could, could be floated out as, as kind of trade bait early in the season. You know, if we see maybe maybe Dallas have the same situation as they did last year, maybe, you know, someone like a Dak goes down in week two or three, could you see them sending, you know, a third round pick, a second round pick to so Las Vegas for for Marcus Mariota. What, what do you think, Lim? Do you think Mariota could potentially get get a start? I think Mariota is probably the top backup you want outside of the the premium backups that you've been speaking about. He had that really one good game last year, and it proved to everyone that he does have something left in him. It just really depends on whether he can get on the field. I, without an injury, I don't see him getting on the field behind Carr. I think that the Raiders absolutely love Carr. To the, I, I say love 
they wouldn't mind letting him go, but I don't think they'd ever start Mariota over Carr at all. So I think without an injury or a trade, I don't think he ever sees the field, but that's what you're betting on with any of these guys. You're hoping that someone gets onto the field. And if someone does, you get a massive spike in value and you either sell or you can use them as your QB2. Or hopefully, not even that, you QB3 or 4. So uh, Mariota specifically, yes. Uh, other guys that I'm looking at, uh, Jordan Love, um, he he showed flashes in the preseason. He he wasn't brilliant, but I think right now people are seeing that Aaron Rodgers is going to stay there for at least this year, and you probably can pick him up cheaper as like a more of a backlash to what his value went up to when we had no idea what Rodgers was doing. Yeah, I think I think I'm interested to hear you've mentioned Jordan Love because I'll be honest, having watched him in the preseason, I was. I was not impressed. I think, you know, when you see a guy hurling the ball off his back foot into triple coverage, it's you suddenly think, yeah, he's, he's probably not going to be a, a starter in the NFL. But I, I completely get what you're saying from a value standpoint. You know, I think you can probably go and buy Jordan Love for what what we took in probably a third. Maybe, maybe you have to pay a second. Um, that's, you know, a, a, I think a, a, a great option because, as, and, and I put things in your ears, Liam, I think Rodgers is gone next year. I think oh, there is no. I think there is there is no world in which Rodgers is starting for the Green Bay Packers next year. So I've come to that realization as well. I, I really think, don't think he stays next year. And I think that the Packers, if Rodgers goes, they've got to give Jordan Love the chance. You can't spend a first round pick on somebody that that you're then not going to give the chance to start. Um, our guy Mace um, has just shouted into the show. He's saying. Could uh, could Mitchell Trubisky be dealt? Perhaps I think I think it's an interesting one. I think I'd, I'd need to look into his contract situation. Whether he has, has dealt, I think he's basically not getting paid much, so he, he could absolutely be dealt. I do wonder though with the Bills. I think they're essentially you know one of the the two, three, maybe four favourites to win the Super Bowl. So I think for me, they're keeping Mitchell Trubisky as Josh Allen insurance. You know, if if for whatever happens, Josh Allen goes down for a stretch in season, if Josh Allen got, got injured going into the playoffs, you've got a guy that's got proven starting experience. Okay, it was it was pretty poor, but he's probably one of the better backups in the league. I would be shocked if they'd want to deal with him unless they get an absolute haul back. Um, because I think that they'd want to keep him as that kind of insurance, break in case of emergency, something happens to Josh Allen, what do you think? Yeah, he's essentially a Josh Allen, very light. (laughs) (laughs) He's just the rushing upside. He just doesn't have the accuracy and he's not, I don't think he's ever going to take that jump like Josh Allen did. I I think this is where he's going to be. Yeah. Because he'll run the same offense, but worse. So he's the the ideal backup, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And just for the contract situation, Rich, he's only got a dead cap of two mil next year. It's 2.5 mil contract with two mil dead. So it's not a, a terrible contract to get out of either. So, yeah, I definitely think he could be dealt, but it really depends on, one, the bill season, and two, who's going to pay up for him because who, what else can you get out there for cheaper? Mariota is a great example. I think you could probably get Mariota for cheaper. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that, you know, the Bills have probably got higher aspirations than than the Raiders, haven't they? I think the Bills are Definitely. very much Super Bowl robust this year. And the Raiders, I think if they could scrape into the playoffs, they'd probably consider it a fantastic year. So I think it's it's kind of where the teams are, where they're likely to trade their backups. So leaving the uh, the quarterback position behind, we'll, we'll move to running backs. So what I guess what, what what is your approach to kind of end of bench stashes when it comes to running backs? Are there any particular types of back you're looking at? Are there any sort of particular teams perhaps, or or what are you, what are you really looking for here? So, as, as I said earlier, I've I've got onto your train of let's just take running backs for the last fifteen rounds of every draft, um, specifically with. With your back end guys, you're most likely not getting a running back two on their depth chart. But if you can, someone like uh, Jarek McKinnon, um, I've been picking up a lot. I think that he, he had the upside to get the, the the two role. And even if he got the two role, I think he's got the upside to see the field at least. You've got other guys like Darrington Evans that unfortunately is now injured or on COVID IR, one of the two, I can't remember. But Someone like him, someone that like a Devonte Booker who who has a workforce in uh, a workhorse in front of them, and could potentially see a huge uptick in volume. Exactly what you said, volume backs, but it really depends on the the offense as well. Like I know that I just mentioned the Giants' offense, but I think the other offenses are much better. And the better the offense, the more chance you've got of a better production from that volume. I think every running back, if their lead running back goes down, is going to see a massive volume. It just depends on the efficiency. And the better the offense, in my opinion anyway, the better the offense, the better the efficiency is going to be. The, the a, a Talent does come into it, don't get me wrong, but to an extent there is going to be the the how good the offense is like last year no running back did well in 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 new york with the giants because they were absolutely terrible but if say ch went down then it, it over in kansas whoever the backup running back was i believe it was Darrell williams last year he would have had a massive uptick and you probably would have got an early second for him in in value wise so in short you you definitely have to look at the offense, but I think it more comes down to who's got less of a murkier backfield. Because if you can say definitively someone is the running back too, then great news. But if someone's got more of a murkier backfield, you have no idea whether they're going to be the, the lead back when X player goes down, the lead back goes down or not. How are you feeling about that? I think, yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I'm targeting basically the best offences. Um, you know, one, I'm always targeting. I, I was all over Jeff Wilson in pretty much every league I was in last year because he was the third option in San Francisco and you could basically pick him up for free. Um, I'm doing that again this year. I'm all over Jermichael Hasty um, because nobody seems to talk about him. But yes, you've got Ray Moster, who is fantastic and crazy fast, but he's always injured. Yes, you've then got... Um, Trey Sermon, who I've got really high hopes for as, as a rookie coming in that, that they traded up for. 
But we've seen time and time again, whoever the running back is in that offence will produce. So I'm, I'm going out and getting to Michael Hasty. But pretty much I'm, I'm looking for for any running back that I see as a, as a path to volume, perhaps he's an injury away. You know, you, you joke about it that I take 15 running backs every draft. And and that's that's pretty much true. You know, I'll, I'll take five five quarterbacks. I'll take, you know, one backup for each spot. And then I'm just absolutely smashing as many of those positions as, as I can because I, I really want as many running backs as possible. <laughs> because, you know, they are one injury away from being fantasy relevant. And if you can, you know, I, I, I hate on volume-based RB2s, but if you can walk into, you know, RB2 production by streaming guys off the end of your bench who, you know, every week somebody's going to get injured, um, that's kind of my approach. So, so yeah, at, at the moment, particularly guys I'm liking, you know, Wayne Gorman, I think, is is an injury away from from being fantastic. Um, I, like, I like the call of Devonte Booker, um, Ty Johnson up in New York. I think he's going to carve out a role. He's, you know, he's crazy fast. He's he's almost really moster in New York because he's he's really fast and he fits that scheme quite well. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's 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 plenty of, of good options. It's it's basically about just looking at depth chart and trying to find a running back that you like. I, I think you've got multiple ways to look at this. And specifically for me, I, as I said, I go for the least competition and the the clear RB2 and, and I suppose the best offense as well, just to see if something does happen to the lead back, you get that massive spike in value immediately rather than having to wait for them to play a game and see who's actually going to take that lead role after the, after the injury. But, as you said, um, Jermichael Hasty. I think people forget last year that he was trying, or two different teams tried to claim Jermichael Hasty over, I think it was like a three-week period at the start of the season, off the practice squad of the 49ers. And both times the 49ers blocked, the, blocked them and then moved him up to the 53 to make sure it couldn't happen again because they couldn't block him anymore. They want him there's no other way around it and I know that they took Sermon and Elijah Mitchell this year and I do like Elijah Mitchell but I think in that offense whoever does get that starting role is going to be fancy relevant it just really depends on who um and I, I again I like your shout about um Ty Johnson because he has the the top end speed and he, he looks really good it's just who is actually going to be that number one in that offense no one really knows and I suppose those are the guys especially at the the end of year roster that you want to take a shot on because you've got them the highest upside there and um, so for me really it's all about the value spike because if something does happen unless I'm contending or know that I'm in the hot seat to go and get one of those hot seeds I'm probably getting rid in case I don't make the playoffs or get a low seed in the playoffs and have to play one of the high seeds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, worst case scenario with some of these guys, they they walk into a role and you can sell them super quick. You know, A, if you're not a contender, you know, a contender is going to pay up for, you know, Wayne Gorman last year, he was fantastic down the stretch. Somebody is going to pay for that guy. Um, well, so, as you said, someone would have paid up for Jeff Wilson. I yeah. bet you sold him in a bunch of leagues last year when he became the RB1, especially those that you weren't 
um, contending in. So anyone like that, and and I'm not hating on those deals because if you paid up for a Jeff Wilson last year, he did extremely well for you. So, yeah. well, my my stat that I use is if you take if you took the running, I've got a word this right, the running back that got the most carries in every game for the 49ers last year, that was the RB3. And that was a mix of Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Jeff Wilson, Jermichael Hasty. Um, I'm sure I'm missing one. Um, you are, I just can't think who it is. Um, but yeah, like it's, oh, um, Jared McKinnon, that's the one. There you go. Um, basically, that offense just produces. So if I can get a piece of that offense for free, that yes, I'm relying on running back on a running back injury, but running back injuries happen. You know, it's it's fairly straightforward. It, it's not something that you want to rely on, but it's a part of the game. As I said with the quarterbacks a, a couple of months ago, now they do happen, and it's a horrible part of the game because you want to see everyone succeed, but to have some people succeed, you do need those injuries and. Last year, we saw Mike Davis come out of nowhere, and now he's got what he's looking to be anyway a lead role in Atlanta. We've got like the people that went, uh, the people that jumped in for Dak when he went down. I know that Dalton was one of them, but at least Ben DiNucci got some playing time, and Cooper Rush got some playing time. It, it happens, and it, it is a part of the game. And if we could take out injuries, I'm sure it'd make everyone's lives a lot easier especially people like Edwin, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago, because he wouldn't need to do injury analysis 10 minutes after every injury news. But it happens, and we're not hoping for injuries, but we're preparing for them. And this is the best way to definitely take advantage of something that many players don't take advantage of, or at least uh, that I see anyway. What about the wide receiver position? I know we talked about you know, potentially not looking at at wide receivers as those end of bench spots. Are there any types of players or, or any areas that, that you would consider rostering a you know a depth wide receiver piece? Again, it goes back to the best offense for me. Um back end you, guys like so you're, you're gonna say McCall Hardman now, aren't you? No, I was gonna say a different <laughs> Chiefs wide receiver. I was gonna say someone like uh Byron Pringle, for example. Okay. Someone that has shown flashes but needs to really get consistent. Someone, this isn't the best offense, but they have a great wide receiver called KJ Hamler in Denver. Although he, he's not the best wide receiver, he was a second round pick last year and he, he could really do well this year it's just he needs that injury to get the volume let's let's stay on KJ Hamlet because I think he's a really interesting point because this is a guy that had a fantastic you know profile as a prospect coming out he had you know decent breakout age decent you know production profile got that second round draft capital looked pretty good in you know in a lot of rookie models look for certainly very good in mine but he's coming into a situation as you said where Yes, they've got Cortland Sutton, who, you know, is that prototypical X receiver, you know, good down the field, you know, contested catch guy. You've got a Jerry Judy who is, I think, already a top five route runner in the league is from, 
fantastic at creating separation and, and he's the ideal Z receiver, Z receiver, whatever you want to call it, wherever you are across the pond. Um, and, and then you've got KJ Hamler who profiles as that slot burner type that, that can take the top off. But I don't know if he's ever going to be more than that. I think he's a, he's one of these that's a better NFL receiver than he is a kind of fantasy receiver. Do, do you think that he's an injury away from relevancy? Or do you think that even if Judy or, or Sutton go down again, do you think it's just going to be good weeks mixed in with a lot of bad? I think anyone you're taking at that point is good weeks with a mix of bad. I don't think anyone that moves in as a wide receiver three on their own team at best is going to be able to move in and do really well. That You're looking at the top end wide receiver threes on their own team. So you're looking at Tyler Boyd, Gallup, um, whoever you want out of the Jaguars wide receiver core as the wide receiver three. I've hit, heard a lot of DJ Chark over the past month or two. So whoever you want out of the most talented, should I say, wide receiver cores, those are the ones that are going to step up if there is an injury. I think everywhere else you're kind of looking at, uh, well, if they do a week, uh, do a couple of weeks in, a really good spike, should I say, then maybe there's a bit of value there. But as we talked about earlier, I really don't think that wide receivers see that value spike as much as a running back will. So I don't try to t- I don't try to roster them. I've transitioned a lot of my rosters this year because last year I rostered a lot of wide receivers at the back end, trying to to find those production weeks, and it didn't really work out. But I think a lot of people try to do that and try and sell on the value. And I really think in Dynasty, you need to sell on the value of the running backs because they see an immediate value spike. Um, Wide receivers specifically production-wise may be good, but are you ever going to count on them? Are you ever going to be able to pick that week? I think for me, it's you know I mentioned it earlier, it, it basically needs to be, do I see a path to top 24? upside if the answer to that is no then I'm probably not rostering them because I just don't see the point I think outside the top 24 you're you're just playing a week of you know could they catch a deep touchdown or whatever and I think that KJ Hamler is the guy that for me personally I think he's a good receiver he had a great college profile but I just don't want to roster because I just think that even with injuries, even if Sutton goes down, even if Fank goes down, even if Judy goes down, I don't think he's going to be a top 36 receiver because I just don't think he's the type of player that, that's going to be able to command volume in the NFL. And, and I say command volume because I'm a strong believer in that volume is a talent. I know that people will bang on, you know, Deontay Johnson or, you know, let's go Tyler Boyd. I think that commanding targets and earning targets and commanding that volume is absolutely a talent. And I just don't think that the type of receiver someone like KJ Hamler is, is ever going to, even in the ideal situation where he is the only target, I can't see him commanding, you know, 100, 120 targets. I think there, there's a couple of things there for me. So one, I think volume, if, if you're commanding a, a volume within a talented wide receiver core, 
and I mean someone like a, a Bengals wide receiver core or the, the three that I mentioned earlier, then yes, I agree with you that that player is probably the best there. But if there is literally no one else, like uh, Lions, for example, that's a perfect example this year, are you really not rostering any of the Lions wide receivers, especially at cost right now, because you don't think they're talented enough? I'm going to break your heart here. No, I'm, I'm rostering Tyrell Williams in redraft. Um, if I'm if I'm holding him in dynasty and I've got a couple of shares, I'm waiting for the first couple of weeks where he commands obscene volume and then I'm selling. But you are but, rostering them. That That's my point. That's, is that's, I'm, that's I'm not... One. That's the I'm one. not saying you want to roster them for the whole season because, again, I really don't think anyone in the Lions' offense is going to do well apart from Swift and and even maybe uh, Hawkinson. But I don't think we've got to look at the whole season here. I think it's pure, I, or at least the way that I'm looking at it, you look at purely the value at this point. If a Tyrell Williams does go off for two games, people are going to think, oh, he's going to be the target. And then you sell at that point. But I think, well, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that I think Tyrell Williams is a different type of receiver to KJ Hamler. I think that Ty- Tyrell Williams, you know, he averaged, I think it was his last year in LA, what was then San Diego is now LA with the Chargers. Let's just say that, that's easier. I think he averaged over seven targets a game. Like we've seen him command solid volume. We saw that stretch in his first year with the Raiders where I think he caught something like five touchdowns in the first five weeks. Like he had a ridiculous start to the season. But he's he's been a number one receiver. He's commanded volume. So that's, I guess, why I'm saying I'll, I'll roster Tyrell Williams. If Tyrell Williams was to go down, I don't want any part of Quintus Cephas, Amon Ross and Brown. Um, I can't even think who else. Trinity Benson is the only guy that I'm potentially interested in. And that's because, again, I think he's a different type of receiver that could potentially command volume. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I, but I feel like we could go back and forth on this. Tight, tight ends, Liam. Let's, let's, let's leave it there. We're just going to keep going back and forth. Tight, tight ends. What, what are you looking at? If, if you're, you know, rostering a, a deep end of bench tight end, what is it you're looking at? You really want to start on tight ends? R- really? <laughs> I think we're going to go back and forth on this no, one, mate. We've got, we've got, we've got our um, Ryan Fitzpatrick mentioned, so now we can talk about tight ends. <laughs> so with tight ends, you all know that I'm not a huge fan of the tight end uh, position in terms of their scoring. I love the tight end position when I watch tape. I think it's one of the most interesting positions in the game, but I just don't see the fantasy relevance enough outside of the top three to really concern myself with a lot of the the rest of the league, I suppose. I think with what we saw last season with two people that were going undrafted in in a lot of even dynasty startups with 30-odd rounds uh, within Logan Thomas and uh, Robert Tunyon, I think with seeing that, and they they shooting up into a, a top, I believe it was a top eight position for both. I think they went four and three and four, depending exactly. on your format. Top five, yeah. So, yeah, even a top five position, I, I've just started ignoring tight ends to to an extent. I I'm not in, ignoring it to the point where I'm taking backup tight ends and and that's it. I'm 
just not interested in them whatsoever. I think the only, specifically to this show anyway, I think the only guys that I'm really looking for, uh, whoever that Houston tight end one is going to be, I think I can tell you it now. I've been riding the John Nakins bandwagon for two years. Yes. I I think Akins is a great shout. Yeah, I've been all in on Akins for the last two years. Um, Listeners of the Dynasty Island pod back when it was, you know, last year, I I had a under 5% rostered player that I was highlighting and Jordan Akins was about four or five times. I think that someone's got to catch the ball in that offense. And and I really think that it could potentially be Jordan Akins. Um, I think that's outside of Cooks. Who else is there? Exactly. I I think Nico Collins is going to do really well this year, but we'll see. I I think my back to uh, to tight ends anyway. I think someone like that, and maybe in a couple of years' time, a Brevin Jordan. I don't think he's going to do much this year, but I was really high on him pre-draft. I I wanted him as my tight end too, Um, and and then. And then when he went, after, I think it was two rounds after um, Friar Muth went, yeah. he, he dropped massively. But people like that. that. Killed him for me. I just, yes, I just, definitely. when, it, when what, I think he was like a sixth round pick, wasn't it? Was he fifth, perhaps? I think he might have been fourth. Let me double check. But yeah, he was definitely a day three pick. Yeah, that, that to me, that just killed any hope of, of holding him. I think for me, what I'm looking for with my end of, end of bench tight ends I guess it's basically athleticism you know I I believe that's why Logan Thomas broke out last year you know he's a freak athlete at the position and that's basically what what I'm looking for Um, you know some of the guys that I'm targeting this year is you know I'm, I'm still believing in Mo Ellie Cox I think that you know we we talk about there being no good pass catching options in in that offense um but i i do think that Murray Ellie Cox could could have a sneaky you know breakout year we've seen he's finally been named the starter ahead of um Doyle um and another one that that i'm sort of rostering potentially is Juwan Johnson in uh, in New Orleans who again everybody's penciling the Adam Troutman breakout but i think Johnson converted wide receiver has flashed a bit in the preseason, you know, is a very good athlete. Again, that's that's a guy I'm looking at. And then the last guy is um, in probably the crowdest tight end depth chart in, in the league, and that's Tyree Jackson, who is a converted quarterback. You know, may, maybe I'm falling into the Logan Thomas pitfall a little bit, but this is a converted quarterback that is, you know, a freak athlete. Um, and, yeah, Ty- Tyree Jackson... Uh, Tyree Jackson. The the added benefit of Tyree Jackson is that at the moment he's on he's on IR, so you can uh, you can pick him up, chuck him on IR, and there and add somebody else. So, uh, so yeah, I would uh, I would absolutely be looking at him as a as a potential stash as well. That that's a whole other thing using IR spots and taxi spots to your advantage. And, yeah, that's, that's but definitely if you can stash someone on your IR just as a, a as a why not kind of pick. They're not taking up any bench spots, so you really need to start using that if you're not already. Make sure you're always using your IR spots because it frees up your bench spots for these sort of players. Um, specifically with tight ends, I, I think everyone you mentioned, Mo Alicox was amazing last year um, for 
him again going undrafted. Yeah, he wasn't a top five like Tunyon and Thomas, but for him going undrafted and most people weren't even picking him up on uh, waivers. I used him as my tight end one in a couple of leagues last year, every every week or so, because um, Burton, again, another one, but he's not found a team this year. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but someone along those lines, especially with going back to Mo Cox, going back to Wentz and Reich, they used Ertz a whole lot when they won the Super Bowl. What's stopping them from using him this year? I think that that I think that's a a great shout, Mo Ali Cox. I, and and another that I think is worth monitoring is is Dawson Knox. You know we've got a great offense. Yes, they've got Stephon Diggs. Then they've got what Cole Beasley if he plays Emmanuel Sanders, who is getting very old. I, I mean, I, I think he's a good buy this year, but he's getting up there. Dawson Knox, he had a you know very usable rookie year. Yes, he, he drifted off a little bit last year, but this is, again, another really athletic guy that is in a, an offence that's going to put up points. You know, the Bills are one of the most pass-happy offences in the league. I'm, I'm thinking that, that this could be, you know, a, a, a decent little end-of-bench stash, potentially. Um, so, the, the, the one last kind of I guess, end of bench thing that I think you should be monitoring is basically at this point of the year, you really need to be monitoring your wave wire, not just for guys to add, but making sure you're checking who is getting dropped. Okay. You will start to see some absolutely ridiculous drops of rookies that, that have been, you know, drafted very highly. People have spent, you know, second, third round rookie picks. And then because they don't do anything in the first couple of weeks, they'll start to get dropped. You know, I've seen Rashad Bateman get dropped in, in two dynasty leagues. Um, Whoa. Yes, Why? Yes. I, I spent a hundred, hundred percent of my fab to, to pick him up. Um, I've seen Dwayne Eskridge get dropped in a few places. Now I'm not the biggest Dwayne Eskridge believer, but you know, if I can pick him up off, off waivers for free, I'm, I'm absolutely doing that. And I wouldn't be shocked if we start to see, you know, a few of those kind of not the, you know, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, those, you know, sexy names that went in early in the first round, but those second, third round picks. I saw Chase Claypool get dropped last year after like week two or three, and then someone picked him up and it went mental. Um, and I just think that those are the kind of guys that over the next few weeks, once people get into that redraft mentality, it's absolutely worth monitoring because because they could could be very usable certainly. I, I hate to mention this because I've taken your philosophy as well of taking day one or two uh, picks and that's really it. But another one you can add to that list is two two Atwell. I think being the wide receiver four on that team at best i i think you you he's fighting for the wide receiver four role with jackson deshaun jackson cooper cup and robert woods in front of him he's fighting van jefferson for that four role but i think he will get dropped in a lot of leagues someone like an anthony schwartz who was taken in the third round and nico collins if the texans offense isn't clicking and becomes the giants offense of last year i think nico collins will get dropped in a lot of leagues but all of these guys were taken in the in day one or 
all of these guys specifically in day two because they have top end athletic traits in some way shape or form two to at well with the amazing speed nico collins with the amazing speed versus size comparison you you've got to look for these type of players and i do agree that we need to be looking out for them and i suppose the other thing i want to mention is not every one of these players that are actually going to hit there are a lot of misses in every rookie draft but we're just trying to maximize the amount of hits we can get and these are players that I definitely want to stash if anyone then uh, decides to drop them then you're losing nothing by dropping a low-end player that's never going to see your lineup to find one of these higher chance guys because as you've done the research people going in day one or two of the NFL draft tend to find the the, the field a lot more and tend to hit a lot more so why not yeah, absolutely. And I think you can, you know, you can throw in Diamond Brown into that mix as well. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, Tutu Atwell is, is not going to get dropped in any league. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, I own him in, it feels like almost every single league. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm very confident in that. But I think it's, it's just got to keep an eye on, you know, every time you get that sleep notification or you get the email from MFL or whatever site you're playing on, it needs to be as much who's getting dropped as much as who's getting added because because uh, it is very important that you, you're keeping track of that as well. Um, so as we draw to a conclusion, we're going to move on to uh, to a couple of listener listener questions, okay? Uh, so the first listener question of the week. So this is from Jean-Paul Doku, uh, and he asks, uh, everyone thinks they're going to contend this year. After how many weeks would you presume your opposition will throw in the towel? What do you think, Leo? So I had a thought about this because I saw this comment on Twitter. So for those that don't know, we send a tweet out every Monday uh, to get listener questions for the following Tuesday uh, as you're watching now. Or if you're listening, we go live every Tuesday uh, during the season. So we send listener, or we send a tweet out asking for listener questions, and this actually came in through Twitter. So specifically for this one anyway i i would say it really depends on how smart your league is i play in a lot of varying leagues where some of them are for anywhere between 30 50 dollars and those tend to be the more switched on leagues where people go into rebuild really quickly um obviously they won't throw in the towel week one because they lost their matchup but I think you're looking around week four and just a little plug, shameless plug here, but I will be running a weekly what to do with your roster um, article every week. And I will talk about as a contender, what you need to do as a, as a non-contender, as a rebuild, what you need to do and if you're in the middle, you don't know what to do, how to determine whether to push or not push for the playoffs. So listen to that specifically during during the season. But I think smart players will tend to think about it week three or four when they're a couple of losses down. I think specifically if you get to midway through the season, so week eight or nine, 
and you've got four losses, that really plays on someone's mind. And that's when you can start to draw people into accepting a, a, an offer that would put them more on the rebuild side. I, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Rich, because it really depends on the league. But I, I really think that as soon as someone gets about three to four losses, they're looking at rebuilding. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's it's really difficult to say because some people will, you know, be stubborn and they will keep fighting and keep fighting until basically they're, they're you know, it, we're sort of week 10, week 11, even, even though they could be, you know, two and eight, but they still keep keep refusing to tank and rebuild and, you know, fair play to them. You also get some leagues. I'm I'm in a Devi league. That's it's a ten team Devi league, and it, and it feels like there's only three of us that are trying to win the league, and the other seven <laughs> people are rebuilding. It's you know it it very much depends on the the league you're in, your league mates, that kind of thing. If if you're talking about yourself, I always say that if you're looking to rebuild, you need to rebuild as quickly as possible, but hold on as long as you can before committing so what i mean by that is you want to wait until you are absolutely dead cert right i'm out but the quicker you can come to that conclusion the better because the first person that declares they're rebuilding they're gonna get you know if you're the first team to declare you're kind of rebuilding and you've got 11 other teams that think they're competing you've got 11 teams vying for your kind of valuable win now assets so i think that that's kind of where i'm at if if, if that makes sense Uh I have a perfect example of that. So there's a league that I'm in, Superflex Titan Premium 12-team league, where last year I came, I was middling the tables, but because I missed the playoffs, I ended up getting a 103, um, which I'm not too bothered about. I got Trey Lance at there. And yes, it's my only Trey Lance share before Tom comes into my mentions and starts, uh, starts trying to play me up about that. But... With that league specifically, I because I came middling of the playoffs and I had or middling of the league and I had Goff and Wentz and Dalton were my three quarterbacks that there. I just went, forget this, I'm going into full rebuild. And before the start of the season, I've gone from having my own picks to having five first round picks four second round picks this year i've got one one first next year and then i think it's three or four seconds next year as well just from selling guys and i've still got players like godwin gallup that could see a potential increase in value next year the sooner you go into a rebuild exactly like we spoke about a couple of weeks ago that people aren't willing to sell players at the moment for picks if you're the person that is accepting picks, you've got a much wider market than the players or the the GMs or owners, however you want to say the, the person that has the team. You've got a much wider market to sell players to because everyone thinks they're a contender at this point, as the question says. So as you said, try and hang on as long as possible. But if you're the first or the second person saying that they're going to rebuild, then you will have a much wider market than when people start to realise playoffs probably aren't in their future or they're going to be the, the sixth seed and going against the unbeaten top seed or something along those lines. Yeah. But, and and go we've on, got what, what, one more question on, on a similar theme, I guess. So that's from 97 Phil B. 
on Twitter. Um, so his question was, your RB1 goes down hurt long-term in week one. Make a trade for a replacement and lose another starter or trust your depth and pick someone off waivers? And to me, it's difficult because the answer is that very much depends on your roster construction. You know, if you're win now, then yeah, you, you've probably got to go out and, and trade some future draft capital to go and replace that starter. If, if you're like me and, you know, you've, you've got 20, 20 running backs at the end of your <laughs> roster, you, you, you're liking to think that you can find somebody to replace. If if you're, you know, not a nailed-on contender, then, yeah, you, you you probably need to be thinking, right, now's the time to to hand in the towel and, and start looking towards that rebuild as such. I'm with you. I think if your running back one goes down, then your, your season's most likely over. How many people last year had Christian McCaffrey go down and still win the league? I, I think that there's a, a lot to to think about there but it really depends on roster construction for me and i'm trying not to cop out as much as possible but if you can pick someone up (laughs) i'll try and pick someone up on waivers if i can so like last year as a prime example mike davis if you could have picked up mike davis then you're most likely plugging him into your cmc role and still riding to the playoffs but if not, and you miss out on that waiver spot, I'm immediately selling anything that I can that I don't think will have value or as much value next year and, and just trying to get rid. Yeah, but I think that the, the one thing I would say is don't panic. Don't panic because as soon as you panic, you make stupid, irrational decisions. Try and keep it you know, realistic. Try not to panic too much. Take don't a little sell bit of time. under value. Exactly. That's- Take a little bit of time. As soon as you get that running back injury, the sharks will start to circle. You know, everybody will suddenly go, oh, yeah, he's lost CMC. He's not competing. He's going to rebuild. And everyone will start sending you new below market deals. Just, you know, don't panic, reassess, come up with a plan and go from there. And if you ever need to talk to someone or get someone's opinion, we're both available on Twitter. If you've got us on Sleeper, again, we'll probably answer on there or just tag the Dynasty um, pod at at 5-Yard Dynasty and we'll answer on there. If you ever need that, we'll always retweet it as well. So just give us a shout. But uh, as Rich said, don't panic and, and you'll get there. But I think that's concluding the show, Rich. It is indeed. Did you want to mention our our feedback, Liam? I did. So on, I think it was over the weekend, um, I put out a form on the Five Yard Dynasty account asking for podcast feedback. So if you're listening to this, we would muchly appreciate you getting in touch with us, telling uh, telling us what you think. Um, We'll retweet that probably tomorrow morning uh, as as this comes out so that would be wednesday when this comes out it's our our pinned tweet on twitter as well oh there you go so it's pinned as well so if you could fill in the feedback form then we'd greatly appreciate it um because what we don't want to do is bring content that you don't want to listen to or get worse in 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 your opinion so we, we we want to continually improve because we're both striving for the best so if you could do that then we would greatly appreciate it in the words of Jalen rose you've got to give the people what they want 
and that is what we're aiming to do. Um, and on that note, that that is us for the week. So thank you very much for those of you that checked in uh, on the live stream. It was uh, it was good. We had some nice questions flying in. Um, do remember, as I said at the top of the show, um, you can get twenty percent at manscaped.com using the code Five Yard. You also get free shipping. Um, if you've not done it yet, you're missing out. I promise you it is. Uh, yeah, you know, we've got we can even get early Christmas presents. There you go. We're, we're only three months away. Maybe, maybe don't start talking about missus. Christmas. Yeah, maybe have a word with the missus, see if she can get you an early Christmas present right now. Um, but really enjoyed it next week. Well, two days, guys. We have got football. If you are listening to this on the podcast, it is less than 24 hours. Um, we will have football. Uh, we will have we've got a really interesting very um, I hope unique uh, kind of in-season plan Uh, so yeah thank you very much for listening and we will see you again next week HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.